Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. And I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. And this is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This episode is part of a series on governing during pandemic. We're talking with local elected officials, public officials, and community activists to learn more about how local governments and organizations are responding and adapting to our shifting needs during this public health crisis. We sure are. So today we are talking about voting, which, you know, we probably could have put it under any series. Like, all right, yeah, so it's right. series one, but it really could have gone under every series. And I think that the interesting uh, thing is that you and I didn't plan at the beginning of this series um, of governing during pandemic, the voting was going to be a problem. Maybe we thought that it would be a small problem and that there would have to be shifts to mail-in voting, but we definitely didn't think that there would be accompanying problems to um, to what what happens politically when right the public administration act of switching to mail in voting uh, occurs. So this is this is a really unique opportunity that we have to explore what this means. So even our very first interview, so it was not our first episode to our listeners. These are not always recorded in order, but it was our very first recording. Um, and it was with somebody who was doing, uh, it was with Jerry Pena and he was doing some activism work, uh, kind of what was going to happen in Ohio's primary was still kind of very much up in the air. And now we just did this recording. It's August. Most states' primaries are passed um, or state primaries are passed. And thinking about what that looked like from a, a boots on the ground administrative perspective is just an entirely different part of the conversation than what we were originally kind of thinking about um, when we were thinking about what does governance during a pandemic look like? Yeah. And I, and I think one of the other things that it didn't occur to us, I, I think we talked about that mail-in ballots. Okay. So you just switched to mail-in voting, um, but didn't put pen to paper and think about, okay, but what are the capacities of counties to actually run elections like that? Uh, because mail-in voting looks different right from yeah, yeah. Uh, from a public administration perspective of how you manage that process than uh, in-person voting whether that's early voting or election day voting it looks different than that process looks and it didn't occur to us that that was a, a unique uh, task that not all counties are going to have the capacity to successfully uh, work through yeah, and, and I mean, added to that, um, the person that we're talking with today um, was doing a lot of early voting and in-person voting, and then what what it means to manage an election when people show up, right, during a pandemic, uh, and, and how you're preparing poll workers, and how you're preparing to make sure that it's a safe and healthy environment, and all of those pieces that go into it, and, and and how much they're thinking about safety and the welfare of the people that work there and the people who are showing up to vote, I think is, is just an added element. I mean, as I'm reflecting on this interview, an added element of complexity for what it means to, to, to vote during an election. Yeah. And, or during, and, vote during an election, vote during a <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> during a pandemic. Um, yeah. And, and I think that there has been a lot of discussion about what that means for an individual to go vote 
during a pandemic? And how do I do, you know, how is social distancing happening and how are masks being handled and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And I think not as much attention has been paid to what is the environment in which a poll worker has to right. uh, do this work. And, and by the way, who is it that are poll workers that I've heard comedians, countless comedians joke about that. These are always the retirees, the, the elderly. Yeah. Yeah. No, they absolutely are because that is a group of people that has a significant amount of time available where they can go to a poll and work, you know, shift during a day when, where other people that aren't of retirement age are at work. Uh, but the problem is doing that during this pandemic is that those are the population of people that are at high risk. And so they're probably not as likely to want to say, hey, yeah, me, me, I'll go ahead and put myself at greater risk. Yeah. And so, you know, just ensuring that our elections are safe and accessible is just a huge part of, you know, what makes a democracy thrive. And so it's super exciting. For this episode, we get to talk with someone that we know real well. So today we're talking with Dr. Amanda Clark. Today, we are here with Dr. Amanda Clark. She's an adjunct professor of political science at Nova Southeastern University. She's an expert in social movements, community development, and the U.S. policy process. She's the author of the book, Framing the Fight Against Human Trafficking, Movement Coalitions and Tactical Diffusion. Dr. Clark is currently an elections specialist with the Supervisor of Elections Office in Palm Beach County. Welcome. Hello, thanks for having me. Dr. Clark, it's so fabulous to have you with us today. Um, can you tell our listeners a bit about yourself and also how you came to your role at the Palm Beach County Elections Office? Sure. Um, so I got my PhD from Kent State a few years ago. Um, so my lovely colleagues <laughs> reached out to me to uh, do this quick podcast. We uh, relocated to Florida about two years ago this summer. So I have been on the adjunct circuit for a little while and I really wanted to do something a little more full time. And given my background in both political science and public administration, I'm like, ooh, supervisor elections office. Let's give this a whirl. Let's see what, <laughs> let's see what it's like on the actual ground doing elections. Um, so that's kind of how I came into the job itself. I started in June. Um, so I've only been there a few months. But luckily for me, I hit right before um, the primary in Florida, which was August 18th. So I came in at the top of the mountain <laughs> of work. <laughs> so for our listeners that might not know, what is it that county boards of election do? And what exactly is your role as an election specialist? So our supervisor of elections offices here in Florida, they administer elections. So they are in charge of voter registration and administering elections. You might have everything from, of course, major presidential elections all the way down to municipal elections at the local level. So they are in charge of making sure that everyone's voter registration information is there. Um, they run vote by mail. Uh, they also run all of the early voting and election day activities that happen. They're also um, really the biggest piece, I think, of any um, county elections office is that they train poll workers. And here in Palm Beach County, that's like over 4,000 poll workers because we have like 425 precincts. Um, so you're training poll workers, um, you know, for these elections. And a lot of times you're training 4,000 people in a really short time frame um, in front of the election. And in Florida, it's a state law that you have to be trained before each election. 
which means multiple trainings per year, even if you just did the election year in August, you got to get retrained for November. So that's always fun and people really don't like that one, <laughs> but it is what it is. So we're trying to uh, come up with ways to make it a little bit quicker, maybe just like a refresher course <laughs> if you just work. So, yeah. So I think that's the main goal of the supervisor elections office. When I started, I spoke to the supervisor and she's like, are you sure you really want to do this? You know, the professor, you're a little overqualified to kind of start as a, you know, I go, hey, whatever, I'll learn whatever it is. So on my very first day, I was taken back to um, the vote-by-mail area and I was processing vote-by-mail applications because they had received so many um, between the March presidential primary in Florida and then ramping up through to the primary we just had here in August. Um, we had many, 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 many thousands of requests for vote-by-mail. So my first two days, I just kind of sat in front of the computer and logged in um, vote-by-mail requests. So that was my intro to uh, supervisor elections office work. And then I got pulled in into the poll worker department, probably because I have a background in teaching and, and training. So um, I got pulled into that area and that area needed the most help, most people <laughs> to kind of pitch in and, and work um, because the, they were gearing up for the primary. So can I, can I just ask a point of clarification? So you're telling me that all requests to vote by mail are processed by hand. Yes, because you have to match the signature. Uh, so in Florida, um, when you fill out the application, they actually, it's a card. Um, you can request it um, by mail and mail it in as well. But when we key it into the system, and I think maybe might be unique to Palm Beach is that they just re redid all of their software, election software. So we had a new system. So um, once now all that info is in there, it won't be so manual the next time. Just go and you look them up and you click it. But for this Point in time, I believe it was more manual just because we were entering new data into a new system um, that's more secure and everything. So, and you do have to match up, like you have to have your birth date and your signature, and we pull it up when you're um, requesting it just to make sure it matches uh, from the beginning. So somebody's dog, for instance, couldn't request a vote by mail. No, and it's really also interesting. Sometimes you'll get the vote by mail application and someone will write, we shouldn't be voting by mail on it instead of just saying, you know, not filling it out. Like it's a political statement that they're writing across it. Like, no, we shouldn't vote by mail. And it's kind of funny. And you're like, oh, well, thanks for wasting your time and mine. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So tight, a little bit off topic, but um, we're super curious because we happen to be Kent State uh, faculty. And Amanda and I, for all of our listeners, have worked together a lot. But we're really curious, like, how did your PhD in political science prepare you to work in this type of this field? Well, I'm trying to figure out if my PhD actually helped. Well, I think the one piece of it was that I knew, like, the problems about voting rights struggles in the beginning because that's what I teach my students. I teach them that, hey, voting's not just going and, you know, filling out a quick thing. Like there's a bunch of stuff in the background that's always happening um, about access to voting and access to polling and precincts. And so when I went into the job, I already knew that some of those issues and I wanted to see how it happens in real life. Like, and I will say that, you know, these boards of elections or supervisor elections offices, they truly care about getting people 
registered and getting them to vote. Like that's their number one job. It's um, at our, our office, which I'm assuming happens around the country. You have to sign a nonpartisan agreement when you go to join the work. It's like, that's what it is. Like you're not there to do anything other than complete the mission, which is to register voters and hold elections, period. That's your job. Everyone takes pride in it, um, which is something I think was very good and very um, uh, good to see on the ground because you ha- hear a lot of noise about you people, oh, especially with the mail now, oh, the post office, they're going to throw away my ballot. No, they're not. No one's going to do that. Like, it's just, it's kind of silly that, you know, these people do take pride in their work. It's their job. It's what they want to do. And they care. A lot, a lot of people really, really care. And it's exciting. Like, as tired as I was on, a, on primary morning, it was kind of cool to be, like, in the mix and, like, oh, wow, you know, like, here are the precincts lighting up. that They're green. They're even zero. They're getting ready to process voters. And, and like the last minute requests, like this site didn't, you know, two poll versions show up. You get them in there. So um, even with as tired as I was, um, it's exciting. And you're part of the process. You're part of democracy. And I think as a public administration <laughs> professor, it's good to see it in real life and not just teach it or read it and see it, you know, and try to talk about the four E's and all that stuff. Like you're actually in it. And it was cool. And it was interesting. And um I have a lot of respect for the people that do this work. <laughs> it's hard, <laughs> hard work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that we've heard, uh, I mean, so many horror stories, right, about problems and complications with voting across the states during primaries. I mean, Wisconsin and Georgia, even Ohio, really, are great examples of this happening. And this is attributed mostly to, you know, COVID-19 and the pandemic. Can you talk us through what it was like to work the primaries in Florida? Yeah, so we did a lot of preparation. So our supervisor of elections, I mean, she's just sharp as a tap. She's on it. She cares a lot. So her main concern was youth safety. And we had a lot of COVID protocols. Um, we bought uh, gloves for all poll workers, masks for all poll workers. They had shields. If you were at a control with just a mask, you could wear a shield as well. Um, we had sanitizer and cleaning <laughs> supplies across the, and I, I was in charge of early voting with another woman and we helped you know, get, make sure they had all their supplies. I mean, we were very cognizant of the six feet and we had um, people trained that way, right? So they would know, like, you know, keep all of the machines six feet apart. We had plexiglass dividers uh, in between the poll worker and the voter. Um, So we tried with almost everything we could do along CDC guidelines to make sure that people felt safe um, and it was a clean environment um, for all of uh, of the voting um, precincts, even for early voting. And that's Every day for 14 days, we do early voting, and then we have one primary day. So um, even within the training classes, we had to revamp the way they used to do training was they would just show, you know, 60 people in a room and do pool worker training. But for uh, the primary, they got ready by separating out. We like took parts of our warehouse at the office and made it a classroom, which sometimes isn't great because the sound might not be the same and people kind of had a little bit of difficulty with that. But you were socially distant. You had an individual sanitizer next to your spot. And um, they tried really, really hard to make sure that everyone felt safe and clean. And, um, you know, all that stuff was there for them if they needed it. Are are you all considered essential workers? Yes. Yeah. So um, for that county, for Palm Beach County, election workers were considered um, essential workers. So 
we had to go to work. <laughs> so, but we also all, there are signs up all over our offices, you know, this is an essential workplace, everyone should wear a mask. Unless you were just sitting at your desk. So we actually had plexiglass dividers put up in between um, our own desks because obviously it's kind of with all the cubes and whatever the short cube walls, they um, built that up to also include plexiglass in between us. And you were always being reminded, like, if you're going to the copier or the restroom or grabbing your lunch, please wear your mask when you're not at your desk. So, you know, constant kind of reminders of, you know, making sure that we were also staying safe uh, in the office. Now, it seems like to me that um, in-person voting might be cause for concern, whether it's right early voting or election day voting, because then your poll workers get more exposure, frankly, to people that may be uh, asymptomatic, especially carriers of coronavirus. Was there a lot of in-person voting during your primaries? What was the ratio of in-person to mail-in? Yeah, I think it was um, 10 to 1 mail-in to in-person voting for the primary. And a primary is usually not exactly um, well attended anyway, because it was a primary. And it wasn't the presidential one. It was a local race. Um, but we'd actually had pretty decent turnout um, for a primary. and then But it was kind of like 10 to 1 vote by mail to uh, regular voting. So I think it probably did keep uh, many people away. And Florida is a um, no excuse vote by mail state. Anyone can get a vote by mail ballot. So that helps a lot too, because then you can just request it and it's no big deal and you turn it in um, and that's okay. So um, yeah, we did have many, many, many more <laughs> vote by mail ballots than, um, than in person. So we're we're in the midst, um, while we're recording this, of lots of conversations about what to expect with the general election come November um, and, you know, possible anticipated problems with the continued challenges of COVID-19. Um, and it's a, you know, it's a particularly, what, how did I refer to this earlier, Casey? A super contentious election. <laughs> um, and uh, so, you know, based on your experience, how you know, what do you, what do you take from your experience working with a local primary in the midst of a pandemic and apply that to kind of this bigger general election and what, what's moving forward? Yeah. So I think that with everything going on with the post office right now, the postal service, best advice is to vote by mail and turn in as soon as you get it, vote, get it turned in so that you're, you give yourself plenty of time for it to get processed. Or like in our county, you can drop off your vote by mail at any one of the four uh, supervisor elections offices around the county. And through the 14 days of early voting, you can, we have vote by mail bags that someone mans the whole time. They're sealed and everything. So you can actually drop off your vote by mail at any one of those early voting sites. So if you're concerned about your uh, ballot being counted, definitely just turn it in as soon as you can or turn it in person. Um, so I think that's probably one of the best things you could do. Um, most of the voting sites, I think, are going to be just the same that, that we had in the primary, at least here, is that they're going to be socially distant, they're going to be cleaning, they're going to have, you know, all of that stuff set up again, so that people would feel safe uh, when they come in to vote. So all of that stuff will remain, I would imagine, because Florida's still kind of a hotbed <laughs> right now. <laughs> but yeah, get those votes in early. <laughs> I, I think that the media is attributing um, many of the problems, right, and complications to the fact that there's an ongoing pandemic. And what's your sense of how unique the problems that we're seeing are to uh, to elections? Is it really the pandemic or are there other factors at play? 
I really don't think, because in March, you probably could have said it was a pandemic because people just didn't know what to expect, didn't know what to do, were really concerned. But now we know what to do. We know how to stay safe as much as possible. So I wouldn't attribute it so much to the pandemic as perhaps other factors now happening, right? So um, as to what Ashley said, you know, in a contentious election, things are being politicized that should not be. So, you know, even the act of voting or voting by mail and, you know, they're you're trying to name it different things, like the framing of it, right? So you talk about, you know, absentee ballots. Oh, that's that's good, but vote by mail is terrible. Like, it's the same thing. It's the same word. It's the same thing. It, it doesn't mean any different. I actually, when you field questions, people will call in and say, well, what's the difference? And I'm like, none whatsoever. <laughs> so it's like, you got to kind of educate people about using the framing, which is, you know, what people do to make it sound a little more nefarious when it's not, when it's the exact same thing. So I think that with the COVID thing, um, people know what to expect now and they should be ready. Um, everyone's ready for that. I was hope that, you know, I know our county is very um, on top of it and for as far as, you know, CDC guidelines, but other counties around the country, maybe they're not, or they don't have the funds. I'm not sure, you know, so it all depends on what their funding is to kind of cover this stuff. Um, and I know that we're, our county was very much prepared and will be again in November for that. I mean, I think that's very much, I mean, we, it, it, Casey and I are both in Ohio, um, but we're in different counties. So for me, I suppose the the recommendation would be, you know, look up your county yeah. board of election, board of mm -hmm. uh, election supervisor, whatever your office is called, um, and find out what they're doing, right? Because each state is going to be a little bit different. Each county is going to be a slightly different. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm in Cuyahoga County and we're dealing with all sorts of things in terms of being a map. Uh, uh, having a large population. Um, but the possibility that's being discussed right now is the likelihood that there will be one drop-off site for the entire county for absentee voting. And so thinking through all of those pieces, you're right that it's it does vary by county. Absolutely. Important yeah. to think through some of those things. What are, you know, so what are some of the potential challenges that we might not be aware of, right? right? You're on the ground, you're there, you're witnessing it, you're experiencing the day-to-day -day work of being an election specialist. You know, what are, how are county boards of elections preparing, you know, and, and how are they, what might, what might we look for? Yeah, I would think that one of the biggest things is that you're generally your biggest pool of poll workers are older retired Americans. So if you are pooling from retired people to work, so August, we probably filled in uh, with different types of people that maybe weren't working. But in November, if schools are back in session, if colleges are back and you might not have that um, ability, especially early voting, like Election day is not a problem because everyone can kind of take a day off and go work an election if they want. But early voting is 14 straight days. So you need to find people who have that ability and that flexibility in their schedule. And if you can't pull from your older American uh, subset that you used to, because they're a little bit like, yeah, no, not for me. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm in the you know risk factor category. I'm not going to come. Uh, so that is something that I think most uh, boards of elections or supervisor elections are really thinking about um, trying to get enough people trained so that you have a standby pool because sometimes people change their minds last minute um, we had you know some poll workers who are longtime poll workers whose families asked them to not do it and they were really willing to do it they really wanted to come and then their families 
you know, kind of were like, eh, we don't think you should do it. And um, so at last minute, they might change their mind. So I think that is something that most people would need to focus on is having that standby pool of workers who are already trained, ready to go in order to, you know, fill in at last minute if people do change their mind. Because it's like, we always tell people, it's a very personal choice if you decide to put yourself out there like that and work with the public, uh, you know, it's really important. And, you know, I think people really, they, they love working the polls, you know, for election day. It's something they feel very strongly about, but they're also very concerned about their health and their family's health. So it's a very personal decision. So I think that's one of the major things that people probably need to um, get ready is that you're, you might not have that pool of people that you've always used. <laughs> you might need to supplement with some other people um, and get them trained. And so you might have a lot of first time workers that you need to get prepared for a lot of questions. So you might need at least one strong, you know, uh, clerk in a precinct who's worked a lot before. Um, so that's what I think most of the contingency planning that we that, that we were doing was to make sure that you had a lot of backup and you had a lot of people trained <laughs> because you never know <laughs> people kind of change at the last minute uh, and do that. So that's something you should probably keep in mind. <laughs> I was going to say, can I ask a real quick follow-up? Like, what is a poll worker doing when they get training and then they show up on whether it's early voting or day of voting? Yeah, so you're, you have inspectors. Every county is a little bit different. They have different names for them. But like an inspector is someone who, you know, welcomes you in and checks your ID and makes sure you're who you say you are. And then so ours are set up with different jobs. So um, you have someone that checks you in. You have someone that checks that you're getting the right ballot for your um for, and Florida's a closed primary state, so you have to have, on a closed primary, you got to make sure you have your party and your precinct. And then you have someone who stands next to the tabulator machine that the voter feeds their ballot in. So our, you know, poll worker doesn't touch anyone's ballot. They don't see it. It's the voter is completely in charge of that once they're voting. And so we have different jobs. You have a deputy um, that's actually deputized by the sheriff's department. So when we took our poll worker training, you all stand and put your hand up and you're deputized, you know, by the sheriff's uh, department, which is kind of funny and cool. But um you have a deputy that's outside that keeps the line and, you know, and kind of order and make sure that um, we have a no solicitation zone, you know, within 150 feet, you cannot have anyone in the line. Um, so poll workers all do different things. And then you have an assistant clerk and a clerk that takes care of issues where someone might be trying to vote uh, in a precinct that's not their own. So then you have to issue a provisional and that kind of thing. So those uh, clerks and assistant clerks are the more experienced, uh, you know, people that can take care of some like more in-depth questions. But usually you're just helping the voter get their ballot and you know, get it into the machine and, you know, off they go. So, yeah, that's what most poll workers are kind of they're doing. Now, if there is an influx of mail-in ballots, which, I mean, given what you found during the primary, it's pretty likely. It sounds like a lot more people are going to be voting by mail than, uh, than in previous elections. I mean, do co- counties have the capacity to handle these mail-in ballots? Are they much more time-intensive to process than, than you know, early voting or, or day of uh, election ballots? Yeah, so they, a lot of states have different rules about when you can actually process a vote by mail. So you've seen, like, in Florida, the supervisor election saying, hey, you know, we're getting an influx, we need more time. So you can actually, like, I think, and I don't want to say this, but I, I didn't work in vote by mail, but I do know some people that did, so I'm not going to, um, you know, claim to know everything they do. But I do know that most states got that deadline pushed back or it got extra time so that you don't count them, but you can process them getting ready to count. Like, so there's a whole series of steps that you take for vote by mail ballots that 
by state or by, you know, they can change the rules or they can have that so that you're ready to go. Um, and there's just a lot of overtime, <laughs> a lot of overtime involved with processing all those vote by mails and they can hire. Um, we, have, we had a lot of seasonal people that they hired to help with that. Those are the people you always see on TV, you know, going through with the gloves on, with the ballot, like, so those are the, all the seasonal employees that they get help with. Um, but yeah, so by state, you just need to check the rules and see, like, when can they be, you know, process what point at what point can they be processed and then you hold them and then you don't and then you process them for election day and um, so that the votes don't get counted technically until election day and then those results are released after that so yeah it's a yeah, lot well, we should we'll we'll make sure to uh i wonder we'll post ohio's kind of yeah. rules um and some of the the links to some of the the local kind of northeast ohio counties but um if you have any additional uh, info from uh, Palm Beach as well. That would be fun to have, right? Because our listeners actually are uh, international. Yeah. So we have our, uh, the Palm Beach County election, that's pbcelections.org. So they can go there and they can see Palm Beach County. Um, Broward has different, might have a little different, but um, by state, especially because states have different rules too about when you can, is it postmark or is it, you have to be received by the, the election day. So all of those rules are go by state. So that's a big play, right? If you're in a state where you have to have it received by election day, not postmark, that's different. So if you go like, oh, you know, I got to make sure that that's, that's in there well before election day so that it can get processed. But all of those things matter when it comes to getting your vote by mail counted. Right. So this brings up our next question, which is given the potential problems with uh, vote by mail, with the USPS backlog and limited capacity of counties to accept at different locations, how should voters kind of be weighing this decision about whether to vote in person or not, assuming that that's an option that's even available to them? Yeah, I say if you have early voting in your state and if it's uh, any go during early voting, because usually there's not a lot of lines. I mean, people are just because they're there all day. Um, our early voting for the primary was 10 to 7 p.m. each day, and it was Saturday and Sunday included for 14 days. So those are usually your best bet if you want to stop in on your lunch, you go in, vote by in person and whatever. You can also drop off your vote by mail. Some states have different rules, but drop it off in person at your uh, Board of Elections office. Some states might have rules about, can you take someone else's vote by mail? And usually you can, you just sign some kind of form that says, yes, I'm, you know, I'm bringing this other person's vote by mail ballot into the office. So anything that you can do to make sure that you feel better about that ballot getting to your office, do it. And if you want to vote by mail, I say, highly suggest early voting. Because in our county, especially, you don't have to go to, and you can go to any one of the 18 sites, doesn't matter where you live. So they will print your ballot right there for you um, when you come in. Uh, so any of the 18 sites in our county. So other you know, states might have different rules about that. But early voting is very convenient for a lot of people because it doesn't matter. You don't have to go to your precinct to vote. You just go to your, if you're working one day and you're at that and there's an early voting site close to you, go to that one. If you're you know, out doing something else and you can pop into an early voting site, you know, that's very convenient. So I would suggest to go. <laughs> Definitely take advantage of early voting if you have it and and or hand deliver your vote by mail ballot. It's probably the best thing to do. 
your insights are so helpful and really appreciated because I mean, I, you know, I work in political science. I work with a bunch of people who do civic and political engagement work, but the internal dynamics of what's happening on the inside of an elections office is sometimes just a black box, right? Mm -hmm. Like it goes in, (laughs) I voted, I did my thing. And then at the output, we know what happens, but what happens in the interim sometimes feels like I have no idea. Um, So I really appreciate your, all of your comments and and ideas and experience. Do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners? Not sure. I really think it was a great, because being an academic and then going and do this on the ground, being a practitioner almost, it was really eye-opening and great. I think if everyone had like the ability to kind of do this uh, more often would make our teaching. Because I know like when I get back to teaching, hopefully it's here soon. Um, I'll have so much great, more great stories to tell and more examples of like what it really means to do this kind of work. So I think that if anyone, you know, it is ethnographic, it is like, you know, really kind of, it's like, I don't know, participant observation. I don't know, it's like all of this like fun qualitative stuff um, that you're doing, but it's really just, it's good to know that how it works, not just you reading it off the page. So it was really, it's been a really cool experience. I've met a lot of great people there are a lot of good things, like even with all the negative stuff that's happening with voting and voting rights. And I think that there are people out there that still really care and are really trying to push, you know, to make it more equal, to make it more accessible. Um, Palm Beach County has a couple of really cool programs, uh, Adopt a Precinct, they're trying, or they're using grassroots organizations. They're going to train them to be poll workers and they're going to go adopt a precinct because um, that can be really helpful in precincts where you can't get poll workers to go there, or maybe there's a local group and they don't feel comfortable going to vote because they're, there's, you know, there's sometimes it's like, oh, it's official. I don't want to, but if you're if a local grassroots group is running that precinct for the day, that's great. You know, you might know those people, you might feel a little more comfortable. They do a lot. We do a lot with the first being in South Florida. Um, every web, every precinct has to really, we try to get a Spanish speaker in there. Um, and then we also have Creole. So we have the capability of having Creole speakers, Spanish speakers. We have an express vote machine where you can listen to the ballot being spoken in English, Spanish, or Creole. So they are really doing some really great things about accessibility that are better, you know, that are, you know, so I really love to give a shout out to people that are trying to make it, you know, better for other people because all we kind of hear, and I'm, I'm a pessimist too, but like we all hear like, this is terrible and all this, you know, everyone's being blocked voting. But um, I think that the PA people on the ground that are actually doing the work, they do care and they're trying to make it, um, you know, more accessible for everyone. So kudos to them for, you know, keeping that going. <laughs> Well, Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. It was really fantastic to talk to you. And I know that our listeners are going to appreciate your words of wisdom. Thank you for having me. And it's good seeing you guys. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy podcast. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan and my co-host is Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is edited by Jeremy Demery at Golden Ox Studio right here in Cleveland, Ohio, and supported by the American Political Science Association. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, growingdemocracyoh.org.